This is Chain Reaction, the podcast about everything for supply chain advantage. I'm Tony Hines. Let's get started. In this episode of Chain Reaction, I want to focus attention on the post-Brexit supply chain. By evaluating the impact of leaving the European Union for firms in three industry sectors in the United Kingdom. Services, food and fisheries. I want to consider the real politic of supply chain strategies, avoiding any ideological or ethical constraints. I want to put those to one side and simply contemplate the practical and pragmatics of international trade. What we know is that the promises made by government ministers about taking back control, doing great trade deals with the rest of the world, and life outside of the European Union being less bureaucratic, have not yet materialised. The UK officially exited the European Union on the 31st of December 2020, and there seemed to be endless delays in striking a deal with the European Union that went to the 11th plus hour when finally the Prime Minister was pleased to announce a deal had been struck with the European Union. And similarly, the European Union were pleased to announce that a deal had been struck with the United Kingdom. UK government statistics show that trade with the European Union was over 50% of exports and around 48% for imports in the past year. Both in volume and value, the European Union is the UK's principal trading partner. Having left the customs union means that tariffs and quotas are possible on either side when trade is conducted. The UK has committed significant resources to mitigating some risk by placing ferry contracts to ensure sufficient capacity. Back in January 2019, one contract worth 13.8 million was placed by the Department of Transport with a small company called Seaborne Freight. This received much publicity and sheer disbelief at the level of incompetence of placing an order with a company without ships. As a result of the outcry, the contract with the Irish ferry company was cancelled within a month of the announcement. In October 2020, as the UK government became increasingly concerned about possible disruption to key supplies, including medicines, food and COVID-19 equipment, including personal protection equipment, PPE, it handed further contracts to Brittany Ferries, DFDS, P&O Ferries and Stena Lines, totaling £77.6 In the 12-month period leading to the UK exit from the European Union, Customs Union concerns were raised by many hauliers that the previous roll-on, roll-off ferries could be disrupted at UK ports if trucks had to queue to access ships while export documentation was checked. Many of the just-in-time supply chains on which many industries depend, including food, farming, fisheries and agriculture, would be severely disrupted if this was to be the case. There were press reports about the M25 becoming a lorry park, the government's commitment to build additional lorry parks approaching ports has reduced the impact, but whether or not this is going to be a long-term solution to the problem when trade volumes increase remains a question mark. Let's now turn our attention to summarise some of the immediate impacts across the three sectors. 
services, food and fisheries. Taking services first, there were few if any arrangements for services as part of the Prime Minister's deal concluded at one minute to midnight on the 31st of December 2020. In any commercial setting, critics might be accusing the Board of Directors of gross incompetence if they left negotiations with a major trading partner to the last minute. It emerged in press reports in February that Amsterdam had become the major financial service centre in the EU, taking over from the City of London. This was widely trailered during the period between the Brexit vote and leaving, but little was done to remedy the threat posed after the UK left the EU. Financial services alone are worth 126,000 million to the UK economy, according to the Office of National Statistics for 2019. So it's a significant part of the economy and it didn't receive enough attention during the negotiations. Of that, there is little doubt. Food. The UK food and drink supply chain is worth £120 billion, and £23 billion of that is exported to 220 countries all over the world. It's the biggest manufacturing employer in the UK, larger than automotive or aerospace taken together, according to the Food and Drinks Federation in 2020. During 2020, many food retailers had raised concerns about cross-channel trade and highlighted that delays would cause shortages and empty shelves in supermarkets. Retailers moved swiftly to stress test their food supply chains in an attempt to make them resilient in the face of this threat. Nevertheless, Ian Wright, Chief Executive Officer of the Food and Drinks Federation, said that food exports to the EU fell by 60% in January 2021 as a consequence of the chaos related to export documentation and firms simply not knowing what was required. The Road Haulage Association estimated that exports through UK ports were down by about 68% in January 2021. Some claim, as a partial explanation, that this dramatic fall is exaggerated by stockpiling on the run-up to Brexit towards the end of the year. Volume volatility can cause huge disruption to supply chains and the friction caused by the additional administrative requirements placed on the UK firms has raised friction in these supply chains. This should have been avoided with careful planning and if government had acted sooner to secure the deal. Delay has contributed to more confusion about what these exporting firms should be doing to manage their part of the supply chain. A number of UK firms have secured distribution arrangements including warehousing and facilities with Europe to resolve their export problems. One small example in the food sector comes from Simon Spurrell, who heads up the Cheshire Cheese Company. He said he lost 20% of sales overnight when he discovered he needed to provide a £180 health certificate on retail orders to consumers in the European Union, including those buying personal gift packs of his award-winning wax-wrapped cheese costing £25 or £30. So to save the business, he claims he'll now have to switch investment of £1 million from a new-build distribution centre in Macclesfield 
to the European Union. And this will result in 20 jobs lost to the UK economy and the associated spending and tax revenue. They've had to acquire skills not needed for the past 30 to 40 years within weeks. The UK government tried to simply claim these are teething troubles. The problem is that teething troubles do cause loss of teeth and in this case many firms are facing an existential problem and many will not survive the disruption caused by their inability to plan for the changes after the United Kingdom left the European Union. There have been a number of press reports since late January 2021 showing that hauliers in France experiencing an additional cost amounting to 47%. The number of EU hauliers turning down cross-channel work has increased by 168% according to Sky News sources. What's certain is that consumers will pay the price for the added complexity and disruption. It's always customers that pay for increased cost in the supply chain. Take the oil price increases to around 147 dollars per barrel before the financial crash in 2008 which disrupted many supply chains. The oil price increases were directly reflected in the price paid in stores for foodstuffs and goods but the fall in the oil price didn't lower food prices at the same rate when it came to around $35 a barrel in 2008. So when disruption is caused and prices go up they tend to stick. So my conclusion is that supply chain disruption can cause permanent damage even when it's a temporary disruption or a teething problem. The UK food and drink supply chain worth 123 billion, 23 billion exported all over the world, but 60% of that uh, actually goes to Europe. Let's turn to the final industry sector, which is fisheries. During the November 2020 run-up to the UK leaving the European Union, fisheries became a sticking point of the deal. Some regard this as stupidity on a grand scale, since fish represent a very small percentage of the total trade between the two parties, amounting to around 0.2%. Regaining control of fishing rights was a key part of the rhetoric in the Leave campaign, drawing on deep nostalgia from the Icelandic Cod Wars to stir up the embers of the fire and persuade people to vote for Brexit back in 2016. Much of the time would have been better spent thrashing out the services part of the economy rather than carving up the fish stocks for the next five years to 2026. It produced a document reportedly in the region of 1,000 to 1,200 pages. The sad part of this is the immediate reality of fish waiting to be exported to the EU has been delayed in large quantities producing only waste with missed contract dates and reduced revenue streams for the fishing company's suppliers. Time added to supply chains through delay is always problematic for a supplier, but for perishable goods it's a disaster because everyone loses out. It's estimated that UK ships will have access to an extra 45 million of the fishing quota every year beyond 2026. This figure is less than what the Department of Transport alone will have spent on ferry contracts and additional storage areas for lorries near to ports. In effect, warehousing space. The UK will have access to a further 57 species out of 90 and French ships will remain in the channel lifting 90% of channel cod. 
In 2019, British vessels caught 502,000 tonnes of fish worth around £850 million inside UK waters. The government has had to commit £23 million recently in compensation to fishery companies because of delays at ports. One of the main problems has been the new requirement for animal and food export health certificates and fish transported to the EU comes under these arrangements. One exporter of lobster, crab and prawns said his consignment of £50,000 worth of goods was delayed over 30 hours at the port. The fishing industry is valued at £437 million according to the Office of National Statistics in 2019. During February, Brittany ferries opened additional ferry routes between France and the Republic of Ireland. These are direct routes, connecting Cork with Roscoff, Rossler with Cherbourg and so on. Sailings began on February the 4th. Meanwhile, Stena Lines has started a new weekend link between Dublin and Cherbourg direct. Stena said it was trialling the route and trying to reorganise its sailings to meet rise in demand. The number of ferry services running between Rossler, the closest port to mainland Europe and the continent, has more than quadrupled compared to this time in 2020. Stenner has reduced its sailings from Fishguard Harbour and there is a post-Brexit reduction in freight of around 70%, some of which is put down to coronavirus travel restrictions too. There is much concern expressed in the Welsh Parliament of how permanent these arrangements might be. Holyhead has been a major gateway to and from Ireland for many years, but leaving the European Union has had an immediate impact on ships being diverted to the direct routes from France to Ireland to avoid administrative costs and tariffs. The Birkenhead ferry has also been temporarily diverted. One of the newest ships in the line has been moved to a French port. These switches, if they remain permanent, would have a devastating impact on these local communities with job losses, lost income and a loss of return on investment by the ports who were expecting to increase their traffic for years to come. 80% of all HGVs registered in Ireland pass through Welsh ports. The majority go through Holyhead. Back in 2016, the number of trucks was in the region of 430,000 per annum. The economics of these trips between France, the UK or France and Ireland are interesting. They need to carry loads both ways in order to maximise their business. This is called backhauling and this backhauling is very important to haulage companies. It means they can get the most out of their vehicles by providing services two ways rather than one. If return trips are empty then this increases the cost. Essentially you've got half the volume of goods creating half the value. So in summary, the facts are the great trade deals have yet to be done. 60% of our trade will remain with Europe for the foreseeable future. The taking back control has come at a price in terms of disruption and higher cost and supply chain delay. The additional bureaucracy is causing chaos with firms doing trade with Europe and organisations with small or large consignments have increased 
paperwork and increasing costs. And supply chain frictions have increased, like the Cheshire Cheese Company paying £180 for small deliveries. And the impact of all of this is likely to switch some investment away from the United Kingdom and towards Europe to overcome the complexities and disruption to supply chains. The Welsh economy is likely to suffer until something further can be sorted out with the Irish situation of exports and imports to and from Europe, from Ireland, missing out the United Kingdom to avoid tariffs and bureaucracy. And so it remains to be seen whether the advantages of leaving the European Union will impact the supply chain in a positive way. But we do hope so. It's also difficult to unravel the disruption caused by COVID-19. And perhaps we'll have a clearer picture when the mist of COVID lifts and we can see the relationship with Europe in a clearer way. So that's it for this edition of Chain Reaction. I'm Tony Hines, and you've been listening to Chain Reaction, the Supply Chain Advantage podcast.